1: All right. Welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. Uh, Today we have Michelle Sipes Marvin. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And uh, we're going to be talking today about medical malpractice lawsuits and a little bit about what you do and how you can help the attorneys communicate a little more clearly, which is what this podcast is all about, but also give a little background about what you do. So let's start by asking you a little bit about your background. You are or have been or in your past, were a registered nurse, is that right? I am still a registered nurse. Okay, Correct. so tell me a little bit about that.
2: So I am been a nurse for twelve years. Yeah. Um, I used to work at Harborview a Medical Center up in Seattle, which is the only trauma one center for the states of uh, Washington, Alaska, Idaho, and Montana. Did you say Washington? I totally did. <laughs> uh, I got that from my dad. Bless his heart. And yes. your dad was
1: uh, in medical. He was. Realm
2: too. He was. Yes, he was uh, the clinical specialist at Harborview in re- the respiratory department.
1: And your mom is also in the medical field.
2: Yes. She's also a registered nurse and we work together as legal nurse
1: consultants. And there's a brother too. Is he in the medical profession? Oh, (laughs) he is so far from the medical profession. No, no. He faints at the sight of blood. All right. So the three of you uh, are in the medical profession. Your dad's deceased now but he was before. And so you've been a nurse for 12 years. What brought you to nursing?
2: Oh, that's a long, complicated story. (laughs) So I started off wanting to be a doctor, learned I couldn't do chemistry. Ah. And, um, Ended up graduating with a bachelor's in political science and a bachelor's in criminal justice looking ah. to become a lawyer. Uh-huh. But then I fell in love with my husband, uh-huh. got married, and decided it would probably be best for the both of us if I wasn't working long, hard hours.
1: They do work long, hard hours. They do.
2: So I fell back to my first love of medicine and became a nurse, followed my mom's footsteps, and started working 312s a week, which was perfect for raising a family.
1: Yeah, that's pretty standard in the nursing profession. That's was fantastic. 12s. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so what made you make the jump from standard nursing career into now consulting with trial lawyers? I had
2: a very unfortunate on-the-job injury that was career-ending as a bedside nurse mm. and um, had to make the decision, what am I going to do next? And I look at it as... My door slammed shut, but my big bay window opened. And I am so blessed that I was able to take my passion for my undergrad degrees of law. I loved everything I did as an undergrad and bring that full circle with my nursing degree and bring them together as a legal nurse consultant.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking of the, the term full circle, because it kind of seems like coming home to what you had it started is. to do. I've,
2: I've never felt more blessed and lucky. And the fact that I get to work with my mom,
1: yeah. It's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. It is not for everyone, but knowing your mom, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, I think. it's pretty awesome. So how long you've been doing the consulting now? We've been doing it about three years. Yay. And how's it going?
2: It's going well. It's been slow and steady, but it's, it's getting there. It's great.
1: So tell me a little bit about what you do for trial attorneys. And then we're gonna talk a little bit to our listeners about what they sh- why they should hire you and what they should be thinking about in terms of these medical malpractice cases.
2: So what we do is, I like to say, we help you Um, from the beginning, we evaluate your cases from head to toe. And I like to say that is um, we look from page one to page 10,000. We look at everything because as nurses, we we evaluate our patients from head to toe. Mm. And I look at the cases that way. We look at everything so that we can give you an honest and impartial review of your cases. So the best way to start is by bringing us the case starting at the beginning and giving you a completely impartial and honest review of the case.
1: Yeah. I think that's really important in terms of medical malpractice, not saying that the medical malpractice attorneys don't know what they're talking about because they do. And if you're in medical malpractice, you have a lot of knowledge, but that's also part of the problem is that they have so much that they, they have in their heads and so much they have to do in a medical malpractice case. You guys are able to be able to cut to the chase and say, You either have a case or you don't, because I would imagine that if they end up taking a case that really doesn't have the legs to go the distance, that's incredibly expensive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
2: And uh, we have no problem saying this may not and sitting down and saying, these are the pros, these are the cons, these are the strengths, these are the weaknesses, and having an open and honest conversation about that, and then deciding uh, where to go from there and letting the attorney make the decision that's going to be best for them and their firm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're not attached to the outcome to no. use my language from some of the work that I do. Yeah. No. You're just there to give that impartial view of there's a case here or not. Exactly. Wonderful. And so when should an attorney come and see you in terms of that evaluation phase? I'm assuming near the beginning.
2: In the beginning, in the beginning, when they have the question whether or not they believe, is this a good case? If they're questioning it, when they first get that large pile of documents, you know, a couple thousand pages, and they're like, oh wow, oh wow, what are we gonna do here?
1: Yeah, that's, you know, such a great point, is there's mountains and mountains of information. I mean, even as a trial consultant that works on the communication end, you know, once they've kind of gone through all that, they bring it to me and go, here's our case. And we start working it up on how we want to communicate it. There's still so much information at that point. So that seems to be a huge benefit of hiring someone like you to come, come in and go through that for the attorney and say, here's what your case is about, which really brings us to one of the second things that you do, which is help them with their case theory. So you not only say, Hey, you've got a case. You don't have a case. If they do have a case, then you and your team, help them evaluate that and then go beyond that and look at, okay, how are we going to put this together? What actually happened here? Can you talk a little bit about what that process looks like?
2: Exactly. Exactly. Because a lot of times you have the big picture of what happened, but we are able to break it down. And by looking at all of those records, we can sometimes look beyond the main incident because you might've had something, the big incident that might've happened on, you know, day 20, but there's a lot that led up to that. So we're able to help build the picture of what happened before that. So we'll help look back and find out what happened. Find out everybody that was involved, all of the characters and everybody that was involved in the process that led to the major incident, the medical
1: malpractice, the, the story that led to the death, the injury, whatever it might be. So the, the question that immediately comes to mind is, well, why can't they just have their paralegal do this?
2: their paralegals are great and we don't take anything away. They are our best teammates on the cases that we get help with. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have the training as nurses and the expertise to look in depth at the medical aspects of it. Their paralegals are great with assisting us and, you know, helping with the chronologies and helping gathering the information, gathering the information, helping, you know, do the briefs and the legal side of everything And they're fabulous.
1: But it's a big difference, I think, between kind of getting all the information sorted out versus knowing what it means. Putting, putting the meaning to it. And here's what this means. And here's what should have happened. You know, when, and when I'm teaching, like, for example, my opening statement classes, we talk a lot about doing a teaching section, which is, you know, I might call you guys to help with some of that. And, and that's always what should have happened, right? And then we immediately go into what did happen, so that the jurors can kind of see A plus B does not equal C, right? You've said when you're know, having heart surgery, here's what should happen, right? Let me tell you what did happen. And without having to quote unquote persuade, you've done, you know, the jurors persuade themselves and go, wait a minute, you just said this was supposed to happen, but in your story, this happened. So I'm assuming you guys are really helpful and going, here's how this should have happened. And here's what actually did happen.
2: Exactly. We're identifying where the breaches of standards of care happened mm-hmm. and the multiple areas where it broke down. It's yeah. not usually just one area. One person. There's usually multiple breaches of the standards of care that happen. So we're identifying all of those areas, pulling it together, and creating the path that led to. Yeah. It's the, kind of like the, a mystery.
1: It right. is. It's like, it's like pulling Perry all Mason. the clues in. Yeah, for it sure. Is. It's like
2: Perry Mason. Especially
1: with these mad mal cases. I find they're very difficult to win, as you know, mm-hmm. um, because we don't want to, we view our, our doctors as heroes, right? We don't want to sue our doctors um, and we don't want to uh, hold them responsible. Jurors just find that to be difficult. So they're difficult on a variety of levels, but it is like putting all these clues together. And I can see how helpful that would be to have someone knowledgeable behind the scenes, which then brings me to the next question. Why not have your expert do this? I mean, most medical malpractice cases there's going to be experts involved why not have them do this process
2: well experts are part expensive. of the back well they're expensive <laughs> but they're also part of the backbone we're, we don't take away from anything that the experts do but the experts focus in on one part
1: mm-hmm.
2: we look at everything and the experts are expensive uh i like we work hard for our money but we're a lot cheaper yeah um as consultants which we like to work as consultants um Versus well, experts. Versus experts. Nothing we do is discoverable, also. Mm, so we yeah. can get very intense. We can get very in depth with the attorneys. Um, Although, here in
1: Oregon, you know, we have no expert discovery. Isn't that crazy? so nice. (laughs) Not for the attorneys. They don't love that. No, they don't. But (laughs) as the expert, when everything's discoverable, I say that is so nice. Right, right. Um, It's kind of like surprise when you come to trial. So they
2: don't love that. No, they don't. But as an expert, I do appreciate that. Um, Because I like getting in depth with my attorneys and really talking about the theory and really talking about the details. But the experts are great. And we don't take anything because you need your experts. You will still have your experts. We will help identify the experts that you need um, specific experts but the experts look at that
1: one piece and yeah it's look like at one everything. slice of the pie and you guys are looking at the whole pie we are. And, which is so true kind of using the analogy of doctor versus nurse too you know mm-hmm. when you think about actual care in a hospital the doctor sees the patient for such a small amount of time versus the nurse that is giving the majority of care and monitoring the patient so it's kind of similar now in your work now is that you guys are kind of more thorough looking at the whole picture whole patient versus a little slice of the pie that an expert may be able to provide.
2: And we're working closely with all of the team members. Mm-hmm. Um, the nurses work very closely with the social workers, the case managers, the physical therapy, the occupational therapy, the physical therapy, the doctors. So we know how to read all of those notes. Mm-hmm. Um, we understand all of those notes because we're constantly reading those notes all the time. Um, the doctors come in, might spend 15 minutes with that patient we're there 12 hours a day, usually three days in a row. And it doesn't take anything away from what the doctor does. They're incredible in what they do. the expert is incredible in what they do. But we spend the time we get into the detail, we get into the weeds.
1: Yeah, their role isn't to go into the weeds and the details and, and asking them to do so is like we said, very expensive and time consuming and not what they're there to do.
2: It's unnecessary.
1: It's unnecessary. It's a great point. So looks like you both evaluate the case if there is a case help with case theory but the third thing it sounds like you guys do is help really help the attorney understand their case and communicate it I think that's a huge issue with medical malpractice is so often, so much part of my job is understanding it as the attorney brings it to me. So can they explain it to me? If they can't explain it to me, then we're not going to be able to explain it to a jury. And it sounds like that's that's a part that you really help with as well. Exactly. Understanding the case in terms of what all the medical terms are and how it all means and what, again, what should have happened and whatnot.
2: And simplifying it too. Yes, that's huge. As a nurse, we're taught to educate our patients at essentially the eighth grade level. And so that really comes down to, if we can really help our attorneys understand and simplify it, they're going to be able to deliver it a lot better at trial Mm -hmm. and to the attorneys at that same level. So they are going to need to understand it at a much higher level, but if we can also help assist communicating it at Mm -hmm. the more simple level, they're going to have a much easier time at the trial
1: too. And what about the attorney who says, you know, this trial, this is never going to go to trial. This is never going go to trial. I'm not going to bother hiring, you know, nurse consultants to help me with this. You have a great story about blood sugar and a settlement that could have been so much higher. Can you share that with us?
2: Yeah. Um, I had an attorney and this is just goes back to the communication. If you hire us to do a review, you hire us to do a summary, please talk with us. I had an attorney who hired me for a type one diabetic who Went into surgery and went into DKA. His um, sugars were in the 700s. And um, I reviewed the charts and found out that his um, white count was um, 22,000. Uh, 22, and I called and I called and I called and I called, sent emails and emails and emails, and I got no responses. And finally got a hold of someone, and they're like, oh, the case settled. And I'm like, well, did they talk about the white count? Well, it turns out the white count hadn't been checked for two days. Well, in a type one diabetic, if you don't check the count, white count and it goes up to mm-hmm. 22,000, they're going to go into DK. Yeah. And that case would have settled for a whole lot more if there was communication.
1: Well, yeah. Attorneys aren't great at communication. I will say that. But the point is, I think, too, that even if you have a case that uh, looks like it's going to settle, it's still worth it to hire a nurse consultant because you can get a higher settlement uh, knowing your case inside and out and being able to communicate to the other side, listen, this was breached and this needed to be done this way. And it wasn't can really drive that settlement up, I would assume.
2: Well, another thing that we're so helpful for is we can help you with your discovery, we can help you with your interrogatory questions. So when you're forming those, we can be like, hey, ask for this you know, ask for this in discovery, because this is so important. These Do you guys are-
1: help with depositions as well?
2: Yes. So with depositions, we can help you form your deposition questions, ask this, oh, that's this, great. And this, and this, you know, I've done cases, you know, death by a thousand cuts, you know, um, 39 pages of deposition questions, just building it, you know, this person breached all of these standards of care. Um, you may not be able to point directly at one thing, but when you see how sloppy their care is and their lack of attention to detail and their lack of care of the patient, then this most likely happened because they just didn't care for the patient. But we can help form those questions to really make your deposition more powerful.
1: Well, it just seems like this is so necessary because the attorneys don't have time they don't have the money to pay their experts to do this, and you help them educate it. So educate them so they can communicate clearly. I don't see why anyone would not hire you, especially when these medical malpractice cases are, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars and lots of time spent. Why not be thorough, at least from the very beginning, and get all the medical stuff sorted out um, as you move throughout trial versus not doing it at all or waiting to, to do it too late?
2: Well, and the other thing that we can do just kind of going off of that is help with your expert prep too. So we can help be pulling items together that the expert may not look at when they're looking at just certain parts of a chart. So if we're noticing in one area, there's something that the physical therapist is saying that maybe they're not going to recognize or a nurse over here is saying that's not maybe what they're going to recognize. We can be pulling different parts of the chart together or write in a different type of summary that, you know, the expert might Uh, really need and might be helpful with them forming their opinion.
1: I think that's such a good point because, you know, I always talk about how the only time that you really have to give a coherent narrative to the jurors is in the opening statement. And after that, your case comes out of the mouths of experts, right? And it's really just rests on how uh, educated and clear they can communicate. And that's not often both of those things are not always there. So that's really helpful, I would think, to have, hey, this is what your expert needs to speak to and, and make sure you cover all of these areas with your expert or we'll help you with your expert. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Another thing we can do, too, is we can help with the research. So we can be identifying the journal articles and the, the different uh, standards and um, areas of practice that might also help the experts um, if there's different areas that might need to be found. Or help with the attorney being being able to bring up or um, demonstrative evidence in the trials too. You know, you know the timelines and different things like that. We can also be helping um, make their lives easier in those areas too. That's wonderful.
1: Now, um, what do you love about your job the most?
2: I love being able to continue with the passion of nursing that I can't. I can no longer give direct patient care, being able to give that to, um, I, I would say patients, clients in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can still help, you know, helping those that need justice, Yeah, you know, and we work both the plaintiff and the defense side, you know, and with the defense side, you know, really helping defend those that have been wrongly accused because sometimes I like to say, really bad things happen to good people at no
1: one's fault. Mm, mm -hmm. And being able to suss that out and figure out what happened. And
2: being able to assess that. You know, there's just times that it wasn't someone's fault. Something really bad just happened at no one's fault. So, yeah. So you're helping
1: patients who have been hurt. And and when you keep those, um, when you hold those doctors responsible that have done things that they shouldn't have done, you're helping even more than that one patient right you're creating safety across the board which is so helpful exactly
2: if we can help create a domino effect of you know a lot of times people aren't going to change just because you say change Mm -hmm. change happens with their pocketbooks yeah absolutely um, if we can help um, make that happen so that the next person's not harmed
1: that's fantastic. How can our listeners get a hold of you if they want to check you out and hire you for their next MedMal case? Um, I'd love that. Um, the other area, if I can
2: just jump in, that sure. we really help with is um, our other passion is um, elder abuse and nursing home too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did adult home care for twenty five years and took care of the the elders. Um, so I don't know if people out there do yeah, that too. Absolutely, um, but a lot
1: of expertise there that you can add. We did.
2: To. We started in our basement when I was twelve years old. And, uh, did that for 25 years. So that's another, um, passion of ours is, um, helping the vulnerable adult and helping those that can't fight for themselves. Wonderful. um, Do that. But we're, uh, MSA legal nurse consultants, uh, Marvin Sipes and associates. So we can be found, um, at MSA legal nurse consultants.com. Um, or you can, uh, call me at, uh, two zero six,
1: two zero zero six, seven one nine. Well, you help evaluate the case, educate the attorney, save them time and money. I don't know why they wouldn't call you. I agree. (laughs) I fully agree. I just look forward to, you know,
2: helping great yeah that's what we're here for
1: well thanks for being here I think um, the trial attorneys that I help that you help that we all help it's so funny that I you say my attorneys as well my colleague was like that's weird when you say my attorneys I'm like but they are my attorneys well (laughs) I think we're all fighting for the same thing and so we are we're fighting for justice and they need all the help They, they they can so of course it it will benefit you of course if they if they call and hire you but ultimately it will benefit them and 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 really it'll benefit their client so that's really what we're all about here and hopefully future people Absolutely. Well, thanks for being with us.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah. So that's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. If you want to learn more, um, uh, we're going to put some of that information of Michelle and Cindy in the show notes so that you can uh, go there and click on their website and, and find their phone number so you can contact them. If you have not already subscribed to From Hostage to Hero, you can do that in iTunes. We also have two other podcasts, Soundcheck for speakers of any stripe, and tap into your power, the Amplify Project podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Amplify Project, you can go to amplify-project.com. Until next time, I invite you to find your voice and amplify it. Talk soon, bye-bye.
0: That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero, but head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sari Delamart. Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.